Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. Hello, and welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast. Our podcast is sponsored by the lovely people at Establishment Coffee. So if you want 25% off your order and free shipping, head to establishmentcoffee.com and use the code 025. How is everyone? Amazing. Great. Excellent. We get a new monolith today. Yay. The first official zero monolith is here uh, at a zero. Well, we've got one at Brisbane, but that was like the sample. Now we've got our our first big run uh, has arrived, and uh, I'm looking forward to putting it together and showing the world. The cool thing is, now that we've got three monoliths, the three people that use them all have their own (laughs) 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 monolith. Well, we've we've officially only got two, and shortly we'll only have one. So we're, we're downgrading from... We used to have three, and then we went down to two for the last year or two, uh, and then we're going to go down to one. Uh, so we'll have one mono, one comp bench uh, for the people who still do competitions like Pro Raw that have that specific equipment. Uh, and then we'll have two more combos instead. That's cool. It's yeah. crazy. Matty Bro came in here uh, last week. I did a session with his daughter, and he said, he's like, fuck, his monolith's a dying breed now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like, it really... Um, with GPC exploding back in the day, it really took off and everyone wanted one and everyone needed one. And now, you know, with the APL takeover, uh, everyone wants combos. And I mean, arguably combos are a versatile, more versatile mm-hmm. piece of equipment. They take up less room. They're easier to move around. You can do squats and bench press out of them. Uh, I like combos. It's, um, it's funny because when I first started at uh, PTC, there were literally three of us that walked squats out. Mm. And monoliths were the way to go. Yeah, now no one knows how to use a mono here. Yeah, yeah, it still wigs me out when people are like, oh, so Heaney, do I just pull this out? I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah, or someone's been training here for a year and they're like, how do you change the height on this thing? Mm. Mm. Happens all the time. Wow. Crazy. That's exciting. Is it any different to the purple one, the Brisbane one? Mechanically, no. Cosmetically, yes. And then... Um, a few, a few, a few extra functions that don't change the mechanics. I don't know. What I'm trying. It's better than the Brisbane. Does one. it have the thing where a solo person can use it? Yes. So it swings out like a training yeah. mode. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yep, got that. What have you guys been up to anyway? First of all, you guys are both ripping the new shirts. That's right. They're yeah. sick. I actually only got these for me with the intention of like being my going out shirts. <laughs> I wasn't ever going to wear these to the gym, um, but. Because they didn't have heavies in, in all the colours. This is my classic one, so I'm like, yeah, I'll wear it to the gym. Everyone's frothing them too. So yeah. I've got so many compliments from this shirt from people yeah. that aren't at zero. Yeah. This like, is the first is dope shirt. This like, is the mm-hmm. first yeah. run of shirts we've done where my friends that mm. have nothing to do with the powerlifting. Wanted to buy some. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, so I know cool. I made fun of you, Thomas, but I've started wearing zero shirts on my days off. All the time now too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like that's often what happens. You make fun of the leader, and then <laughs> you realize they were onto something. We're pioneering. Look, at first they, um, at first they imitate. Nah, that's nah. Never mind. At first they fucking. You know what I'm trying to say, yeah. CJ? Yeah. At first they, I don't know, insult or tease or. And then they replicate. At first they masturbate, then they replicate. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's not it. Nah, that's We're not onto it. something with that one, though. <laughs> that's a new one. Oh, oh God. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. no, they're, they're cool shirts. I, 
the only thing is, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. On our ones here, we got ground zero. Mm-hmm. Mm. On every other one, it's a big zero. And then like Brisbane or Cairns or Mackay, whatever, underneath. Do you think it, we should have got zero big at the Gold Coast? No. No. No, ground I, zero. I love that ground zero. ours is different. Yeah. And our year is 2012. Mm. Whereas everyone's like in the last two years. Yeah, they're like, all fucking new to this. Yeah. New to this game. <laughs> new kids on the block. Yeah. They have no yeah. idea what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've been around forever. Yeah. That's right. They don't know what came before. No, nah, it's cool though because people distinguish ground zero as yeah. literally ground zero. Yeah. yeah. Nice. You know, it's it's a little bit of a, when people walk in here, they're like, fuck, so is this the first zero? Oh, yeah. gee. Yeah, right. I mm. love being able to describe as that. Like, oh, which one was the first one? It's like, oh, Ground Zero yeah, yeah, yeah. was the first one. Nice. Yeah. Mm. But what about you guys? What have you been up to? Um, Swimming, Muay Thai, strength training, bit of everything. Nice. Yeah, love and life. Nice. Yeah. How far do you swim now? I go, I swim out further than all the other swimmers, but yes. that's about it. Oh, you're doing I ocean swims? Yeah. She's an yeah. ocean swimmer. Yeah. Oh, and occasionally I do some laps in the pool, but ocean swimming is much more fun. But yeah, I've always got sharks in the back of my head. So. I was going to say, even with the sharks? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get over that. But then they've been spotting a lot of them, like mm. I said lately, so Jeez. it's always in my mind. Just well, tell yourself they're dolphins. <laughs> you know a chick <gasps> Yeah. in Perth on Sunday? Mm. It's pretty sad. She jumped in to swim with a pot of dolphins and got eaten by a shark. Got taken by a bull shark mm. immediately. Because she mistook the dolphins. Nah, nah, there no, was there a was shark a in there them. as well, yeah. Ah, the old incognito <laughs> mode. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't oh, laugh. The old private browser snuck in there. Crazy. Man, that doesn't do well for like Australian tourism. Because no, that's all, everyone's scared of our wildlife yeah, as it is. Everyone's, no, oh, there's, why do you swim at the beach in Australia? There's sharks there. It's like, no, there's not. Mm. But I was I always like say like dies. if you knew there was like a tiger outside walking around somewhere, you wouldn't go and walk around outside, would you? You'd stay mm. indoors. But we jump in the ocean and don't really think about sharks. Yeah, but, but they're there. Yeah, we jump in our cars, we fucking do heaps of shit that's more dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Put three hundred kilos on your back. <laughs> Four hundred kilos. True. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that is really sad. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, what have I been up to? Not much. Same old. Bit of training, bit of running. Uh, yeah, that's it. Nice. Nothing exciting. Nice, nice, nice. All right. What are we grateful for? I'll go first. I'm grateful <laughs> for friends. Yeah. I have. Uh, th- there's there's one particular person that comes up into my mind uh, and that comes into mind that I really look look up to, and uh, it's nice sometimes to have interactions with this friend and sort of measure myself against it and i mean like that's not necessarily the healthiest practice but to be like if i'm half as good as i perceive this person to be if i'm working towards being this kind of person i'm doing well so it's nice to have that like yardstick to measure against nice and work towards and be inspired by so thank you anonymous friend bridget uh i am grateful for buddy And that also goes with my quote today as well. So my quote was, I'm trying to remember how it went. Every person in the world thinks they have the best dog and none of them are wrong. And he just lights up my day when I come into work. 
I'd argue that all of them are wrong except me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has the best dog. All dogs are the best dogs. Oh, no, but so there is something <laughs> special about him. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know. My dog kissed you on the face, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what is teeth? A, a, a love <laughs> bite. A love nibble on the nose. A little nibble. Uh, he was stirred up before that, though. The poot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Raven, your dog. <laughs> <laughs> CJ, what are you grateful for? <laughs> I can't believe I've never said this on the podcast, but I'm grateful for my mum. Oh, mm, that's really sad that it's taken me a year to <laughs> say it all these podcasts. Does she listen? Uh, no. no. Sorry. <laughs> so it's okay. But yes, I'm very grateful for her. She, um, uh, I was only raised by her. So, so much of pretty much all of who I am is because of her. So I'm very, I think it wasn't, it was like last week I was just telling some mates on like my childhood and my upbringing and it made me reflect on how much my mum did for me having to do it, you know, all on her own. So, yeah, shout out to your mum. And to all the single mothers out there, you, what you guys do is pretty flippant amazing, and I Hundred. can't comprehend how you guys do it. Do you make sure to tell your mum that you're grateful right, for Bridget, her? Make right. sure you tell her. Go yes. home and tell her I will. today. I will. Do you know what's even harder? Being like a uh, an immigrant uh, single mother as well. Mm. Yes. I think about uh, my, I'm, I'm lucky my parents are still together, but my dad worked FIFA. So the amount of shit my mum had to figure out on her own while mm. my dad's away. My dad used to do long swings, like three months, six months swings and shit mm. like that. Mm. So it's pretty, um, yeah, it's pretty uh, courageous to think what they did. Yeah. And in a part of the world and a, and a, a place and time where people weren't very accepting of mm-hmm. other cultures being there. Yeah, like, the amount of racism my mum had to go through. And mm. it, like you wouldn't even know it. Like you, you wouldn't know half of what she copped growing up. Mm. And same with my mum. Like my mum came here as a refugee, and she'll tell us stories of what happened to her as a kid, and it's just messed up. Yeah, wild. That's it. Shout out to mums. Shout out to all the mums. Uh, what am I grateful for? <clears throat> I am grateful for. Um, I've got a little niece now, so I'm grateful for her health. She was actually a little bit sick mm. um, after she was born. But she's doing way better now. So I'm very grateful, uh, yeah, that she's doing well. It's my first uh, niece. Mm. Shout so out I'm, to nieces. Yeah. Uncle so, Henny. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Damn. Uncle Hendo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I'm very grateful for that. All right. And what's your quote? Oh, fuck. I actually don't have a quote. So you guys want to <laughs> do one first? CJ. Uh, I've got to look mine up again. <laughs> I, I, no, Everyone pulls I, out I their phone. Growth starts with pain. And um, I've recently copped another injury. <laughs> so that's what I'm just telling myself is that, yep, growth will come of this. Um, so, yeah. Growing pains, G. Growing, yeah, growing <laughs> pains. It's all pain. It's all pain. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Mine is think of yourself as dead. You've lived your life. Now take the rest of your life and live it properly. <gasps> that's Ooh. a great one. I knew you'd like that. Yeah, that's like so every good. quote you do is along this line. <laughs> 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 uh, um, I don't have a quote. I'm sorry. Make one up. Oh, Create yeah. This is one Create I just uh, this is one I just came up with off the top of my dome. Uh, you missed ninety nine percent of the shots. <laughs> you don't Damn, Wayne Gretzky. Oh, who? Oh, Wayne, yeah. Wayne who? That's me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great. Co- that's a great, great quote by Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> What is it? You missed hundred percent of the shots you don't take, or some shit like yeah. that. Was that Gretzky? Yeah, yeah. but you, no, I no, that you, was Kobe. No, I was going to say you probably think it's Jordan or Kobe because yeah. there's every photo with them. Uh, yes, yeah. behind yeah. it, no, it's Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. No, what? Try and say "great quote" by Wayne Gretzky three times in a row. 
Great quote by Wayne Gretzky. Great quote by Wayne Gretzky. Great quote by Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> you know, so the, the first time you said it, Thomas, I still thought it was by Kobe or MJ. <laughs> so I remember when you said Wayne Gretzky, I was like, I'm going to have to look that up. He's an yeah. ice hockey player for those one who of don't the, know. One of the goats, goats of high, ice hockey. Absolutely. All right. Um, what are we talking Best about today, guys? I've got, a, I've got a few topics I want to talk about. Better than basketball. <laughs> oh. Do you think that? I do, yeah. Did you play ice hockey growing up? Very briefly, yeah. Yeah. Did you play roller hockey back in Crushage? Again, very briefly. Not not properly. But your brother still plays? Yeah. 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 He, he's, he played his whole life. He still plays ice hockey, yeah. That's sick. Damn. All right. So I wanted to, uh, I've got a few topics here. The first topic I wanted to talk about was warming up. Do you guys all warm up when you guys train? Absolutely. Yes. Does, uh, do all your guys' warm-ups look similar? Um, no. Are you saying do our warm-ups look similar to each other? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I've actually... Your warm-up routine needs some help based on your back. Yeah. (laughs) That's more of a technique. That's more of a technique (laughs) thing. That's what that was. Um... But watching you do one, I've always wanted to maybe, because I like hurt my hip recently, you would do that like splits that you yeah, do on the wall. on the wall. I was like, I want to try that. <laughs> that's that, why I used to do it. I saw Tombo do yeah. it. I like, I'm doing that today. All right. Yeah, that's why I've been thinking about doing, doing it. it as well. No, <laughs> a, a lot of the stuff that I do, like a lot of that stuff, I think helps me with the hip issues that I have. And I've tried every hip drill and stretch in the world over the years, trying to make my hips feel better. And... What I do now is just like the combination I do to make me feel good. And I I would actually argue that some of the stuff is probably useless. And not just for anyone, but for me. Uh, but it's in my head that if I do this routine, I'll feel good. And so it's just become routine more than actual function. Mm-hmm. And I know this for sure because, you know, the, the capo comp, the tenth of comp, I walked in during warm-ups and just started warming up and I didn't die. Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have to do the, or I couldn't do the full routine. So um, I just know that if I don't, I get in my head about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, um, I'm just going to, I think it's like you said, it's more of a routine thing. It's like you're doing it because it feels good. It was like when uh, CJ, you're the same. When we just st- stopped taking uh, caffeine loaded pre-workouts we started taking non-stim pre-workouts mm. and they actually did fuck all eh? no but it was the action of taking pre-workout yeah. before training it's like part of the routine mm. kind of thing so it's kind of uh i just thought of that as well so it's kind of yeah. similar to like warm-ups because i'm i'm very bad at warming up but um you could also argue well, why do i need a warm-up if nothing goes wrong like because mm. I've, I've i've fallen down the i don't want to say the the trap but I've, I've gone down the book uh the route of where i've read you know, Kelly Starrett's books and things like that. And, you know, I'd spend half an hour doing mobility and I'd do mobility wad every day for like 12 minutes, whatever they were, seven minutes. Some mm. of them were 15 minutes. I'd do them every day and I'd literally see no change in what I was doing. Mm. And then like you said, Thomas, there'd be days where I'd just walk in and be like, I don't have time to warm up today. Mm. I'm just going to do this. Mm-mm-mm. So yeah, I just want to talk about how do you choose an effective warm up and what entails, uh, what entails an effective warm up? So I think step step one is defining or, or understanding what warming up actually means, and I think this is where the this is where the confusion comes from, and this is why I really dislike when you see really polarizing opinions on "Don't waste your time doing this," "Don't waste your time doing that." Let the people do what they want. Mm. If it feels good, do it. There's nothing wrong with it. Warming up is just getting ready, like warming. Or, or sorry, more than that. 
Warming up is about increasing blood flow to the muscles that you're going to be using, preparing the tissues to undergo the the stress that they're going to be going under, and um, getting proprioception and I, I guess a, a good word would be like tuning or priming movement patterns. All of that sounds really fucking nerdy. If you're doing a squat session, your warm-up is the squats that you do before your top set. Like that is warming up. So like all the all the stuff that you just reference me, like the splits against the wall and all the other stretches and band stuff that I do, none of that I consider warming up. But that's just like routine, uh, I would say priming or stretching. I'd use other words. The actual warming up is when I get either on the leg press and start moving or under the bar and start squatting. Like warming up is when you start doing the activity with the purpose of preparing for the for the top thing. Just like for running, you don't you, you didn't warm up for the for the half marathon by, you know, doing a bunch of random stretches and drills. Your warm up was getting there and starting to run, mm. right? Um, so getting your head around that is really important because if you believe it's something that it's not, you'll do stuff that doesn't matter. And then you will really fall into the camp of, I was there as well. Like I was hyper obsessed with mobility wad. Mm -hmm. I used to do so much of that stuff to the point where my routines were becoming ridiculous. I got really flexible and that probably just made my labrums worse, to be mm -hmm. honest. I was just bottoming out my squats. Um, and I thought it was doing me a world of good. Uh, and it's not to say that it was doing me harm necessarily. It's just, I didn't understand its purpose and its function. And so like, once you understand what warming up really means then you can get more out of it so if we're talking about like pre-training drills and and everything if we're talking about doing squats all these pre-training drills if they're like you know uh, uh, a half lunge some sort of split squat uh, leg press whatever it is to get moving all you're doing is creating blood flow and you can do that exactly the same just by doing more sets of squats so like the the experiment that i'd encourage you to try if you find yourself doing heaps of like pre-training stuff if you do half an hour of rolling, stretching, weird little drills before squatting, just try doing the empty bar, but instead of for one set of five or a few reps or whatever, do it for like five sets of 10 with a short rest period. So just do a heap of squats with the empty bar. Guarantee after that five sets, you'll feel exactly the same as you would have with all of that stretching stuff because you're just warm because you just did the activity a bunch of time. I'm mm. not going to lie. I haven't done any mobility drills for lower body before I squat in a long time and I still feel exactly the same. As when I used to. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to look at it through another lens. I'm going to look at it through the lens of like a, a sports team or like field-based sports. Like CJ, if you think back to when you played rugby, how did you warm up when you got to rugby? You warmed up by playing small-sided games. Yeah. You warmed yeah, yeah, yeah. up by, uh, you know. Tackling you, a bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just do the, you do the thing, but at lower intensities. Yeah, mm. exactly. And um, <clears throat> as you get older, it's a little bit easier to do as you get older. Like, because when you're younger, you can just sprint straight off the bat. You know, when you're a kid, if someone goes sprint here, you don't ever think about getting injured. You just mm. fucking take off and sprint. As you get older, all you're doing is just doing the exact same thing, but at lower intensities. Mm -hmm. Like if we get to play basketball right now, I'm pretty sure all of us would just warm up. Like for the first five minutes, none of us would be going really hard. We'd all just start warming up, moving slowly, you know, moving laterally slowly, getting a feel for our bodies in space and things like that. Um, getting used to, I don't know, contact, dribbling the ball or whatever, but we will do it at just smaller intensities mm. before yeah. we feel comfortable enough to go hard. And I'm assuming, well, I'm not assuming, it's, that's how we do it with squats as well. Before you squat 300 kilos, you slowly warm up to 300 kilos. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So again, it's just all coming down, down, back down to definition and understanding what you're doing. It's the same thing with the word stability. Stability 
for a long time was such this such a buzzword that people misunderstood. Uh, once you understand what it actually means, then you can direct some focus into what you're trying to achieve with it. If you just do things mindlessly because you were convinced by someone using fancy language that it was the right thing to do, your brain will find a reason for it to work. So you, And if you just get sold on 20 of these things, like we did with Mobility Wad, like we listened to him, we're like, this guy's smart. This guy's stuff, when I do it, I actually do feel kind of good. He's working with high-level people. And so you, you remove critical thinking and you just blind faith. You just trust it. And uh, if, you don't, if you don't analyze the purpose, you know, his stuff was very specific to stuff that probably wasn't specific to what I was doing in powerlifting. So it didn't make a great deal of sense. And it's the same thing with stability stuff. There's heaps of really great stability drills for running for sports that don't have any application whatsoever to the context of stability in, in powerlifting or in lifting weights. And it's really easy to trick yourself that it's doing something because it feels hard. Mm. Like go do a hip airplane. We'll all suck at it. And we'll all be like, I need to improve on this because I suck at it. No, we just suck at it because we don't do it. Like that's all it is. And then you trick yourself. You do it for ages and you're like, I'm better at this. And now my squats are better. It's like your squats are better just because you spent six months squatting. At the same time, you're spending six months at getting good at airplanes. Like it, it was just coincidence that it happened. Mm. I always think that as well because, like, for me, when I was doing mobility, what um, I was obsessed with, you know, that drill there. Yeah, yeah. Where you try and touch your yeah the two hands behind your back. And now that I look back, it was such an arbitrary measure of flexibility. And I used to wear it like a badge of honor. I was like, look how good I've gotten at this. Mm. And you know, it wasn't until someone's like, oh, cool, what does that do? And I'm like, uh. I don't know. I just got better at doing this. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I, used, I used to do the opposite. I used to be like, I could, because for ages, I squatted with my middle finger where the smooth starts on a power bar, like hands right in, like against my shoulders in low bar. And I was always very pr proud of my like shoulder flexibility. And I can't get anywhere near doing that. And I did the opposite. I wore it as a badge of honor. I'm like, look how bending my shoulders are, but I can't do this. It doesn't actually mean anything, you know? Like, it's funny that we both were looking at the same thing, but for very different reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And another thing, um, another thing that I feel like there's also uh, other people that go the opposite way around. You know, they, they like to point out that you warm up stupid. Like, all you need to do is get on a bike for five minutes. And uh, I'm not <laughs> saying there's anything wrong with that. But, you know, if, if you are doing a whole bu bunch of uh, mobility or stability drills, whatever you want to call it, like, there is nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Yeah. Not if you do have that extra five to 10 minutes and you enjoy doing it, keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's, that's the only time that you need to question it is if you're spending so much time that it's actually taking time away from training or taking time away from more important things in your life. You don't have to have necessarily a good reason to be doing what you're doing. But if you become so obsessive with it and you can't justify it, th that's when it becomes a problem. But if people are telling you, no, that's stupid, don't do that, forget them. Who cares? Because mm. I went through, um, I go through lots of little phases, but uh, I went through a little phase where I was like, I'm going to get good at stretching. And the only reason I'd get good at stretching is to be better at stretching. Mm. It was going to be, it's not going to make me better at anything else. Well, that's my opinion. That's mm -hmm. how I feel about it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's such an, it's real funny as well because a lot of the times the people that are the most outspoken about your warm-up routine is, is stupid are people that don't really have the right to have an opinion on, on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so like why give their opinion any value in your head? Mm. 
again, I completely admit that a lot of the stuff I do pre-training, especially for lower body stuff, probably doesn't do that much for me. It it probably doesn't doesn't make that much of a difference. But if you tell me that, I'm just going to be like, that's cool. I'm going to do it anyway. Mm. Because it's just what I do and it's just what I've always done. It's part of my routine. For me, a big thing is like, I'm here all the time or I'm in a gym all the time. So it disconnects me from like, I'm in the gym working to I'm in the gym training. It, it really sets that process of like, my brain is like, okay, my now I'm getting ready to be in the mindset of squatting rather than the mindset of working. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's what it's become for a lot of people. They got convinced that they have to roll and stretch and do these drills. Now they do them. And even if they don't mean anything or they're educated on the fact that they do nothing, they're just kind of like, well, this is what I do now. It's my routine. There's um There's also... A- Another thing, another little buzzword that's uh, really popular as well is uh, activations. Nice. So, like, you know, people are like, oh, you've got to do my activation drills. It's, w- what do you think of uh, activation drills? Do you have an opinion on them, Thomas? Yes, I do have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I do have an opinion on activation. Um, activation is definitely a real thing. Uh, so, you know, I'm. it's not my place to talk about the science of it all. That's for sure. Um but there is there is something to be said for proprioception for that like uh, neural connection laying down those neural pathways all of that sort of stuff priming positions. Uh, but like the the idea of do a banded clamshell to activate your glutes better when you squat, that's where the disambiguation is. That's where it falls apart. It doesn't make sense in that sense. So like you doing a banded clamshell is not going to influence the way that your body moves necessarily under a 400 kilo squat like it's it just doesn't work like that can something like that start to set the scene as you start to warm up possibly but you can think your way out of that without the banded clamshell anyway Mm -hmm. so for me it's kind of like rather than looking at things in the lens of it's again definition rather than looking at the lens of of like this activation drill will make this muscle work better when i squat it's more like, no, this is helping me warm up this particular position and prime these muscles to be ready to work in these positions. And then I have to make them do that in the, in the work that I'm doing. So again, we shouldn't, we shouldn't you know, say sweeping statements like, oh, activation's dumb, don't do it, doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, th- I think there's, there's a reason why these, these terminologies you know, exist and why they've crept into what we do, but it's just understanding their time and place. It's, mm-hmm. it's no different to, um, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, um, no, nah, I've completely lost my train of thought. Sorry. Um, for me, <clears throat> I think a lot of people take the word activation out of context and they've heard it from a trainer or they've seen it on the internet. Yeah, I remember what I was going to say. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's, no, it's no different to like the, the anabolic window after training. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this magical window of muscle protein synthesis. You must have this amount of protein. There's evidence to support an anabolic window, but the actual effect that it's going to have on hypertrophy, on you getting bigger over time, is so minute that it's not worth talking about. And so the evidence exists and people will get that inch and then take a mile. And so the evidence exists for activation being a thing, but the link between, okay, this banded clamshell and your 400 kilo sumo, nah, forget it. Mm. I, I was just going to say like, Sorry. I think um, a lot of our interpretations of activations have come from a coach or a trainer. Mm. Um, and like we always talk about, they're doing bit, 
the best they can with the information they have. Um, so, like, you know, a lot of people, they, they, when, when you're doing activation drills, I'm just going to use, like, a walking, uh, what is it called? A walking crab walk or whatever with yeah, a band around your walk, ankles. crab walk, whatever. Yeah, all you're doing is really, you're chasing, you're chasing a sensation. You're chasing a little, uh, you know, pump through your glutes or whatever you're getting. Uh, and obviously it's going to happen because you're, you're going through abduction, abduction, whatever. You're going to feel something. And that's what they're chasing, which is really weird. And then when they go to do a squat and like, oh, I still can't feel my glutes working. Um, it's, it's like you said, it's kind of it's, it's kind of odd because, you know, mechanically it's, we're doing the right thing. Mm. Just because you can't, uh, like, I don't think that's, I think it's the last thing you've ever thought about when you've squatted upwards <laughs> of 300 kilos. Have you ever stood up with a squat and be like, that was a bad squat because I didn't feel my glutes working? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, de- definitely not. Yeah, it's like thank the lucky stars I made it to the top without breaking my leg. <laughs> mm, that's pretty much it. It's it's funny. Hey, like I, th- this is getting a little bit eclectic and nerdy, Thomas. But I think about a thing called magician's choice, and I'll show you what magician's choice is. Right, mm-hmm. pick a hand. Right now, nah, that this was the right hand. Okay, try again. Pick a hand. Well done. You picked the right hand. I got to choose what was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I and so. In magic, <laughs> here we go. I love this. I love this. In 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 magic, this happens a lot, yeah. where you, you like this is part of being a good magician or a good card magician, is that you create the illusion of choice. And so, if you believe you are making that free choice, then in your mind, when it doesn't line up the way that you're expecting to happen, that's magic. Even though I just made the choice for you, I got to decide whether you were right or wrong, or whether you've picked the right pile of cards or whatever it is. It's funny, there's, there's a reason for all this. <laughs> it's funny because I reflect back on my practice as a coach and I see myself doing that. And I used to do it, I can't remember if I did it to you when you first started. I think I was out of this phase by then. But one thing I used to make everyone do in a technique session was put a band under their feet and over their shoulders and go for a walk. Um, and it would be this, this glute activation thing. Um, you actually see some of the old people that like went through my original technique sessions still do it. You'll see Alex Evans doing it from time to time. <laughs> um, but I used to make everyone do this pre-training. And in a technique session, uh, you know, I'd watch someone, their knees were caving in, or, you know, I perceived they didn't have glute, whatever. Um, and I'd make them do this. And I'd be like, you feel that burning up? And they'll be like, yeah, this is so hard. And I'll be like, that's because that area is weak and unstable and we need to fix that. And part of that is going to be doing these sort of drills so we can turn that area on so you can control it better in a squat. But then... If, they, if that didn't go to my plan, I'd just make up a justification for it in my own head. I'd be like, oh, it's not turning on. That's because it's so weak that you're not able to create the sensation. That's why we need it. Like, I decided that I was right regardless of what happened in front of me. And, like, I didn't sit there and actively decide that. I just found myself finding justifications to suit my beliefs at that, that time. Then when I changed my beliefs, I'm just like, all of that was a waste of time. <laughs> None of that made sense. But this is what we do as coaches. Coaches will get an idea of what's right or wrong, believe something, and then just do it blindly and then justify it. That didn't work out the way I wanted to. Well, that was meant to happen anyway. You're not always going to feel it. All you have to do is move in this way and you're using that muscle even if you don't feel it. If you do feel it, yeah, that's evidence that it's working or that's weak or whatever. We, we find ways to do this as coaches. And if you're a coach listening to it, this guarantee you've done it. Crazy. I was just thinking um, the other day because I had a client doing leg extensions and they said to me i can't feel my quads firing 
I was just like, that's really odd that you can extend and flex your knee and uh, your quads aren't working. Because, mm. you know, like, like we are just saying, they're chasing that sensation. They feel like they need that sensation yeah. as they're moving through range. It's, um, I don't know, I've done it as well. I still do it. When I'm like, ah. It's the same as how people gauge how hard their workout was by how bad their doms are the next yeah. day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. exactly. And it's weird that, like, as a coach, you never teach someone that. Mm. Oh, well, we don't. <laughs> you know, maybe in the past we did but like you know you think when you put someone on the leg extension the first thing you say is is not hey when you do this i expect you to feel this in your quads you just do it because you know a leg extension is isolating quads and it's pretty hard not to mm. and so if someone doesn't feel it doesn't mean the muscle's not working definitely not if they're feeling doesn't mean it's working yeah but it's kind of working either way and this can this can, can gaslight us as coaches this mm. can be like Maybe they're not using it. Maybe they're not doing it right. Maybe I'm messing up. Most of the time, it's just the client needs to try a bit harder. A lot of the times, that's what it is. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes you just don't feel that much. Yeah. Like, I mean, you guys have all trained and not gotten a pump, right? Mm-hmm. If, mm. if you haven't eaten well that day or you haven't slept well, you, you don't get a pump. Mm. Doesn't mean you're not using that muscle. Doesn't mean the, the workout is not effective. Mm-hmm. I like that... It, the way that you keep breaking it down though, James, like this idea of chasing sensation. Sensation, your feelings, they don't mean that much. It's just an arbitrary measure of something. Sensation. <laughs> <laughs> it's an arbitrary measure of feeling. Absence, absence of feeling. Absence. <laughs> uh, all nice. right. I want to talk about uh, training templates. Yes. A lot of people love talking about this. Yeah. A lot of coaches wear this as like their badge of honor. Nice. How fancy their template is when at the end of the day, all you're doing is the reps and sets of the same exercise that everyone else is doing. Don't you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys think? Have you guys, uh, Tom bro, have you ever, have you ever fallen victim to this as a coach? Have you ever thought, fuck, I need to make, I need to do this. I need to make this fancy spreadsheet because other people are doing this or have you got any thoughts on this? At yeah, all? no, I, I have a lot of strong thoughts on templates. Mm-hmm. T- templates, again, it comes down to definition a lot of the time. Because, uh, like, templated programming um, is so easy to misinterpret that terminology. Like, what what is a template? CJ, if I said a template, what do you think of? Don't think of programs, just think of the word template. What does it mean? Um, I think, like, uh, a base blueprint of something. Yeah, a blueprint... Bridget? Yeah, same thing. Uh, like a framework, yeah. um, a mm. skeleton, call it call it whatever you want. It's just like the way, the simplest way to put it is your thoughts on paper. A template is your thoughts on paper, right? And so every decision that every coach makes is basically templated. So when a coach goes, uh, when a coach goes and takes person and teaches them how to squat, they'll teach them their template of what a squat is. This is, this is one of my, my uh, proudest things with Zero and with the Zero system is that I've taken the template of what our squat is, bench is, deadlift, and turned it into a script, turned it into a complete system that we build then programming around. And same thing with programming. We have templates and every coach uses templates. So when people say, oh, templates are cookie cutters, A, no. Mm. Like, no, a template is not necessarily plug numbers in, spit numbers out, that's it templates are a framework and then you build flesh onto that skeleton like you still individualize it change it and make it suit the person um but the reality is in, in powerlifting or, or strength training we're all doing the same things we're all the, the same animals the, te- the the changes shouldn't be that vast or that different 
Uh, so there's that aspect. And what's so bad about a cookie cutter? Mm. If Bridget goes into the bakery and she's like, you know what? I really want a heart-shaped cookie. Guess which fucking cookie cutter the baker's going to use? <laughs> now, where it changes is like Bridget's like, I want a chocolate chip cookie or I want an oat and raisin cookie. <laughs> You know, or whatever, you know, a walnut cookie to poison Thomas. I'm sick of it. <laughs> whatever it may be, the, the dough might change. There's the individualization, but the cookie cutter stays the same to get the right shape. So if you're a powerlifter and you come to me, I can fit you into a box. Oh, you're a female powerlifter with this much experience that uses knee wraps. You fit into that box. Oh, you're a male powerlifter on PEDs that's this size with this much experience. You fit into that box. You want to be a powerlifter? Here's the powerlifting cookie cutter shape. There's the shape and now we take you, your dough, and we mold you to fit that shape based on whatever individual considerations that you have. So templates are absolutely fantastic because they allow us to go through our methodology and fix any holes that may exist. If we just make things up for every single person, our programming is inconsistent, our coaching is inconsistent, and our results are inconsistent. Yes. Mm. If we have a framework or a template to work from, we can see it all on paper we can change the base, the skeleton, the framework to fix any issues and then we can individualize around that framework. So I think templates are the best things ever. Anyone who argues that as a coach is just wrong and I know that sounds so dismissive but they are wrong because they use templates in their head anyway. If, you're, if you are the kind of person that says, I write, you know, I start with a blank piece of paper and I build out a program every single time. Well, you're just wasting your own time because you're just building the same program over and over and over again. Because if you get 10 people come to you and say they want to do a hypertrophy program, guarantee it almost looks exactly the same every time. So why not save yourself the time and energy, build a template, then modify the template. Because I think, you know, <clears throat> as, as clients, uh, ultimately what you're paying for is results. You come to zero because you want to get stronger. Uh, how you get stronger is uh, it's pretty simple. Like we can all agree that getting stronger is just by doing sets and reps mm -hmm. over and over again, repetition over time, mm -hmm. practicing the skill of squat, bench, deadlift, doing exercises, managing nutrition, whatever. Um, so if two people came to you and one of them said, hey, I got the exact same program as such and such. It's like, yeah, he wants to get stronger too. You don't go to Subway or KFC and go, hey, I want a chicken teriyaki. Um, you made me the exact same chicken teriyaki <laughs> as the last guy. Yeah, exactly. Mm, this yeah. is this Some, is something fishy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. yeah, it's very odd. I, um, yeah, it's uh, a lot of people. I think we all do it too. We all, we all fall down the. I don't want to call it like a snowflake mentality. That might not be the wrong uh, the right terminology, but it's like you know we all think we're so special. That yeah, people want to feel special. They want to feel like individuals. That's mm. what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and being people, the, the real art of individualization in coaching is the technical side of things. That's what it comes down to. And once you address the technical side of things, sometimes the exercise selection changes. You know, sometimes you're going to gravitate towards different exercises or performance of the same exercise differently for different people because of technical deficiencies that they have. But in general people on rotation are doing the same thing over and over. If we're talking about powerlifting or strength training, it's just like, it's just like nutrition, just to draw a parallel, you know, to something else. Look at, look at a diet plan in women's weekly, like a seven day diet plan that they put in women's weekly. What is it? Every single breakfast is different. Every single lunch is different. Every single dinner is different. Nobody eats like that. No one. And if they eat like that, I guarantee they eat the same thing on repeat in some sort of cycle. So maybe your breakfast changes every morning, but guarantee there's only like five or six options that you go to and they just cycle through. 
Like we don't, we're, we're creatures of habit. We do the same things over and over and training's the same. Um, so, you know, one thing about doing strength training long-term, you have to be willing to be, to put up with monotony. It's um, very odd because, you know, everybody's got very, uh, anybody in powerlifting, you know, they've chosen powerlifting because they've kind of outgrown the gym or they're looking for something a little bit more. So everyone's got very strong opinions on training and programming. Mm. And especially in the so uh, social media era, you know, where information is really easily accessible. So I just think about it this way. Let's just say all four of us wanted to start running tomorrow. We got the same running coach. He gave us all the exact same program. The only thing that would change would obviously be uh, our ability, which is the load. Mm -hmm. But I don't think any of us would question that we got the same running program. No. And I, I think a big part of that just comes from running is such an established sport. And so is pretty much every major sport out there. Powerlifting is still in the realm of like everyone's an expert. Like it, tell me what is the way to squat bench deadlift? There's no book that says this is the squat that we're all walk, working towards. Whereas in running, there's accepted programming. There's accepted running technique. Like that's just agreed upon. There might be some, you know, like outliers and wacky people that try and break the mold. But for the most part, everyone's doing the same thing. And the irony is in powerlifting, for the most part, everyone is doing the same thing. It's just like this conflict of opinion because there is no one global standard is what messes us all up. And it's weird because like the social media ages, every coach is projecting this stuff out to the world. So the consumer sees this and just be like, I need, uh, I need that. That's what I need. And it might not be what they need at all. That's why coaches exist because we know what you need. And that's why we get results is because we know how to get results because you can only make so many mistakes and it's going to slow you down. We've already seen all the mistakes happen. So we can see them before they happen and make sure you get to your destination quicker. Uh, I reckon what someone needs to do is release a coaching program that uh oh, finally <laughs> <laughs> that has a gold standard yeah. <laughs> i mean it's why i'm so passionate about it because like people look at zero and the results that we've gotten over the year like the results are ridiculous you know we've taken over 60 people to 300 kilo squats and deadlifts in competition we coached the the strongest bench presser the strongest deadlifter the strongest female deadlifter in the country we've we've had you know double double body weight female benches Coach, I I personally have coached more than a thousand people to competitions, and let alone you know zero as a whole now with the growth, and it's all on the same system. Like the faith I have in this is phenomenal because I see it work, and and I've I've tested the system over and over, and I've taken it to experts and I've tweaked it based on their feedback. You know, it's something that's been a work in progress for so long, uh, and I, I wouldn't believe in it so strongly if it didn't work. Mm. It's hard to argue with results. Mm. It's funny that um, I just want to... So I did a little technique assessment workshop in the weekend uh, with the boys at Legacy Through Movement. Mm. <clears throat> it was really cool. And I saw that uh, Jen Smith, who actually went through the coach development program, I think at the same time as me, I saw on her Instagram, her doing a technique assessment workshop at uh, a CrossFit gym. Mm. And it was so funny watching because I could see her, her cueing, and I was like, I'm doing the exact <laughs> same thing. It's, both, it's because we've both believed in the system that we both did four years ago mm. and we haven't changed anything. 
because mm. the same system worked exactly back then as it does now. Um, but I thought it was so funny watching what she's doing with her hands and how she's moving. I'm like, yeah, Fuck. I saw it too. You yeah. could read her lips. You knew exactly <laughs> what she was saying. Yeah, <laughs> the old twist of the yeah. quads yeah. out. <laughs> you see that one? Solve, <laughs> solve all your problems yeah. with that. Did you guys? Um, did, did oh, what's her name? Pamela DeGroot, the really small lady. Mm-hmm. Did she ever get coached by Zero? Um, I don't think she got coached by Zero, but she trained here. But she doesn't get coached by Zero? I don't no. think so. No? no. Okay. A, a long time ago, we did a technique session back in the day, yeah. Okay. Reason being is like also at the same time as you and Jen doing that, she did one. Mm. And I didn't know about it. But I was at church on Sunday and a girl came up to me. He's like, oh, I got um, I had a deadlift workshop. I was like, oh, cool. I guess because she knows I'm powerless, so she came to me saying that. She goes, oh, do you know Pam, Pam DeGroot? And I said, oh, she used to train zero ages ago. And the stuff that I was like, oh, what did Pam tell you to do? And the stuff that she told her is what you guys teach. Mm. And I thought, that's so cool. That is cool. I, that's like in the weekend as well, Jeremiah, who's um, at Legacy Through Movement, who's jacked out of his brains, by the way, looks incredible. But, you know, he, he said to me, he's like, yeah, I've, I've been, uh, you know, like I steal those cues. And I'm like, that's not stealing cues, like. It's a system that you believed work and now you're using that system. It's how we always do things. Mm. If I show you a good way to wash the dishes, you're going to wash the dishes that way and fuck, I use some random examples. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that Monday. But like, like yeah. when I said to Jerry, I was like, nah, that's awesome that you do that. Keep doing that. Like if you keep doing that and then the next person keeps doing that, we are chasing global technique. Mm. And eventually we're going to establish a system where it's like, okay, this fucking works and this is the way to do it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, I feel like your actual original question was about the template itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking pretty. And I took that a completely different different direction. Um, no, no, no. You took it in the direction that the template you already had in your head. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I fell victim to that. I got, when I was doing the coach development early, you know, before it was like a, a formal course and before it was, you know, what it is today, uh, I was just taking people through individually and, and just doing one-on-one sort of mentoring calls or if they were in a group or a gym or whatever would, would do a, you know, just exclusive to them. And when it came to analyzing programming and people would send me the templates, uh, James, um, Bridget and CJ, you guys weren't around for the old zero templates, but it was just like white and no color, no branding. It was just like black and white, really bland, really not very nice. Mm. Um, and uh, I would I would get these other coaches' templates and they'd look so good and they'd be all branded <laughs> and color-coded and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, Excel is so easy. Why am I running such a terrible, you know, a terrible, ugly-looking template? So I stood uh, I stood the, the zero templates up a bit, um, you know, colorized them and add some logos and, and stuff like that. Made them fancy. Um, I, I definitely think, you know, having a, a presentable program, especially for a new client, is really important. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um the biggest thing, if you if you're listening to this and you design templates or programs, the the, the checklist should start with: is the information there? Like, mm. is it is the is it readable? Can people look at this and understand what I'm saying? And to do that, you have to put your shoes in the yourself in the shoes of the lifter. Like, if you say WS squat, they don't know it means wide stance. You got to spell it out. Tell them what WS means. Uh, so you know you're gonna have to. Uh, when you're designing templates, think about the lifter, not about yourself. Um, but just coming back to one more thing um, when it comes, because I feel like, you know, my strong opinions on templates make it sound like we really do just plug things in and send it out. It's not how it works. It's individualized. And 
there is a real art of coaching, which is validating people's, you know, I said you have to get used to monotony. Lots of people cannot handle that. Mm. Like I, I'm happy to do the same, you know, five exercises on repeat for each individual, you know, area. I'm happy to do the same back routine, chest routine, leg routine, whatever, forever. Because I like that. I, I don't need change in my training. Most people aren't like that. Most people need to see that change. And we actively build that in. We'll change things up every now and then. We'll pick different variations. It, it might still be working towards the same overall goal, but like adding variety, there's, there's more to programming considerations than just function. You know, there is satisfying someone's psychology, making them feel like the programming is different or is going a different direction or is individualized. And uh, keeping it fun and interesting for exactly, them. Exactly, exactly. You know, the, the up-and-comers still have to have buy-in, whereas the elite, they're already bought in. They just need function. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot that goes into program design. It's not just as black and white as we made it sound. Um, I think it's just because I follow a lot of similar people in uh, like similar industries. So I've been seeing something lately uh, that we've been doing forever, Thomas. You know when you we program a back down squat, we we just put squat variation. Uh, uh, sometimes we'll put like safety bar squat or uh, you know high bar or whatever. But for the most part, we put squat variation. Well, I do like any variation. Um, and something I've been seeing lately is like a post on Instagram. It's like uh, choosing, telling your athletes to squat of their choice is a high IQ move. Whereas, you know, there's other people that are like, oh, it's not specific enough. You need to tell them what a da 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 da. And I just, I just think it's odd how, you know, with programming uh, temp, I don't even know where I'm going with this, but it's how cra it's crazy how there's, you know, the exact same thing. There's completely two different uh, polarizing opinions. Mm. Yeah. There's this crowd that's saying this is the fucking smartest thing ever telling your athlete squat of their choice. And then there's another crowd that's saying it's not specific enough. Mm. And most of it just comes from either viewing things from, from a different view, uh, through a different lens, you know, like maybe the specific people are thinking very specifically and maybe the variety people are thinking different phases of training where that specificity doesn't matter that much. Uh, and this is the thing, when you look from the outside in, you don't get a great deal of insight. Like even you just saying that, I'll write squat variation. It's not like you then say, you know, a client says, oh, what am I supposed to do here? And you're like, well, just figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, well, you could do safety bar, you could do cambered bar. I'm leaving the door open for you to pick something that's going to create enjoyment. Uh, the, the reality is the specificity that we need, we're targeting in other areas. So this gives you some autonomy with your training or something like that, you know. Um, and... Like it's, it's so easy to do that with any of those sort of polarizing opinions is to like hyperanalyze. And it's such a diminishment of what the coaching process is. Like coaching is so much more than just programming and technique. That's the easy part. Mm. Like being a good coach is way more than that. It's all the other stuff. It's about the communication. It's about getting that message across. It's about building trust and rapport. That's, that's what a good coach is. The, the programming technique side you can fuck that up and still get great results as long as a person trains consistently. Mm. Mm. I don't know why, but I always cherry pick uh, my comparisons. So little things like, you know, if you put row, if I say to you row, hey, Thomas, I need you to do a row. You're just going to do a row. You're not going to, if I put in your program, row, any variation, you're just going to pick a row. You're going to start doing it. Mm. If I said to you, hey, bro, go run over there and grab this. Would you go, oh, fuck, how do you want me to run? Did you want me to do run sideways? Did you want me to run... I don't know, is that a, like I said, I cherry pick my own uh, comparisons, which is very weird because maybe that's only how I think. But like, no, you just go and run, you run forward. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the case is that, you know, 
you might need to be a, the the times you need to be more specific with that kind of stuff is if you have to be more specific like you you've programmed a row and you want the client to do it in a very specific way to target some sort of weakness or if they're new and they don't know what a row is mm-hmm. or, or they're like uh, you know you have to put your shoes again in in the you have to put yourself in the shoes of the lifter and be like is this person going to be confused by this so the the people that come to us for online coaching aren't newbies mm. they know what a row is and they know all the variations and so if we write row they know they either watch our video that comes with it and be like oh he wants me to do one of these types of rows or they just do their own row and less specified other otherwise like that's that's a, a lot of the times what most coaches will, will program as do some bicep curls or if I want you to do specifically dumbbell hammer bicep curls, we'll write that in. Mm. Uh, but I'll, I'll, if, it, if it's not specified, it's probably not a big deal. Do you think we often overcomplicate? Do you think as powerlifting coaches and powerlifters or whatever you want to call us, uh, do you think we overcomplicate training? Definitely. Mm. You mean we as in like the broader powerlifting yeah. community? Absolutely. Yeah. But it's hard not to. Yeah. Because the world makes you think like you have to. It's funny because like I always use this, I always bring this up, you know, when I'm with my footy mates and things like that and they'll be talking about uh, how they train or whatever. I'm like, oh, I try rows like this and like, oh, no, nah, I just do them like this. And I'm like, yeah, that works too. Mm. <laughs> like you don't have to do it like this. You don't have to, you know, really retract your scaps, pull your chest up, pull your shoulders back and down hard. No, I just pull the thing. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> no, I mean, like there's, there's always a time and a place for nuance. Mm-hmm. And uh, like it's, it feels weird me saying this because I actually believe very strongly like if you're an elite level powerlifting, you should be putting thought into most of the things that you're doing. Like you should be doing lap pull downs in a very specific way, rows in a very specific way, adding aspects into your upper body training that, you know, encompass all movement of the shoulders and the scaps and all that sort of stuff. But most people aren't like that. Most people don't need that. So I have to disconnect from that mindset, especially when I'm educating because I do work with people who need that stuff because they are the elite and they need to chase every 1% they can. And chasing that every 1% is great to fast track results. And I used to be, uh, you know, I was guilty of this as a younger coach. I used to treat everyone as if they were elite because my mindset was like, if we treat you like you're a, you're an elite lifter in the sense of chasing every minute little aspect of technique and everything, that will get you results quicker. And it definitely worked. Like I got results really quickly because we were hyper-specific on that. But for people who weren't of a strong mindset, they were really, uh, they found it really hard to digest all of that. And I learned that very quickly. I was like, okay, well, not everyone can handle this level and I need to tone it back. I need to keep it in the back of my mind that we're working towards that point, but they need to hear the message that they need to hear right now. That the message that they're ready to hear right now. Mm. Just on that, you just reminded me, this is a little bit off topic, but it's just about a message that they needed to hear right now. Um, <clears throat> at my, the workshop I did in the weekend, Alex, uh, his wife, mm. Jim, she's love, so lovely. And she, when, she, when I got them to get under a barbell, she said to me straight away, I'm new. And she, so she was implying, I'm new to training. So, you know, you might have to watch me or you might have to, don't, don't judge me. You know, you know how we all feel a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And to her, she would have been like, oh, I'm the experts here. So this is going to be a little bit awkward. And then after it, she goes to me, yeah, there's just so much to think about. Uh, I'm thinking about twisting my quads away. Am I setting a brace? Am I holding my upper back? And I said, stop right there. You've just you've just explained how to squat, and I'm so glad that that was her first exposure to a squat, and she know now's how to, uh, and she now knows how to squat. Mm. Like the foundation, the framework, the template has been set for her, and she just has to build off that. Yeah, and I thought that was so cool, and I was like, you just explained like what am I doing here? You just fucking did my job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's funny as well. Like you could immediately reframe that mindset. It's like there's so much to think about. It's three things. Yeah. Mm. That's hardly anything to mm. think about. And you nailed all three of them. So yeah. you're killing it. That's what I thought. I was just so, I was like, I, I rung you, Bridget. I was like, fuck, that just kind of like warmed my heart. I was like, yeah. wow, you just described how to squat. And she was like, fuck, I did. Mm. So I was so happy with that. You said awesome. everyone was really proud of her as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. Um, I think if anyone else wants to touch on that, we good? Nah. Cool. Pretty much at the end. Yeah, that went for fucking ages. <laughs> um, I think I want to talk about the the PEDS one in another episode. Yeah. Because that'll go for ages. Yeah, yeah. Do we have any like short this or that or whatever? Nah. Um, <clears throat> oh, I, I just want to talk about this though. Celebrity training programs. How come celebs actually, yeah, celebrity training programs. How come celebs always look like fucking superheroes? <laughs> I'll give you a hundred bucks if you can get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know it's really weird um lately i've been listening to uh cj do you listen to any like mma podcasts oh besides rogan not really oh i listen to like these mma uh, podcasts and quite often they have like strength and conditioning coaches on there and it's funny when you hear them say yeah this camp uh we've put 10 pounds of muscle on and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> what do you mean this camp how do you make your athlete uh put 10 pounds of muscle on I know how. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's weird. That's the same thing with like celebrity training programs. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I got this really good trainer and in three months time we put on X amount of muscle for this role. Uh, the, I, I don't have a problem with it. Like I, I get the idea. Like obviously they're running gear mm. or a lot of the time they're running gear. Like if, if someone's like, you know, think of Hugh Jackman, late 40s, jacked to the gills, you know, if uh, for Wolverine, like, Come on, we mm. we know what's going on there. If the if the bar ain't, uh, ain't bending, you're just pretending. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of other things you're pretending, brother. <laughs> but I, I get that. I get that because, like, think of the damage based on like the the poor the poor understanding of performance enhancing drugs and what they do and testosterone and all that sort of stuff. The media image that projects then onto the public is just like this is bad. The reality is it's not bad, right? It's like it, it can be done in a healthy manner and that'd be under the guidance of doctors and doing it all, you know, very, very cleanly and appropriately. But the public can't, they can't swallow that. They can't understand that. And they can't fathom uh, the idea that someone can do this without being a morally corrupt, horrible human being. So for a personal brand of someone like um, Hugh Jackman or The Rock, they're not going to go, oh yeah, I'm, I got jacked for this role by pumping gear mm. and obviously they do train hard like that's that's a no-brainer where it gets me is um is it one of the hemsworths mm. has a an mm. app or a, something like that yeah like that that's a bit shit yeah that's a that's a bit liver king you know that's a bit like okay here's what you can have if you do what i say to do but i'm omitting this piece of information mm. that that would really also help you mm. uh, but i don't know maybe the app has a steroid protocol as well What's that? Oh, it's just like a training app or... Oh, okay. Yeah. But I also, you also got to remember that these guys are the genetic elite. These guys got their roles and they've become so big because they look a certain way, mm. because they act a certain way. Like we don't look at, when we watch the Olympia, those guys are up there because they're the best of the best. Mm. So these guys that you see in suit, uh, movies, these celebrities, they already look fucking fantastic. Uh, yeah, they're just the genetic elite. They're elite at what they do. And mm. I mean, like, can you really trust what you see on 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 the screen like yeah mm. so that's the big thing like from a i guess um i should 
the CGI, the CGI abs in, in 300. Mm, yeah. yeah. Like from a videographer's point of view, there's that. There's, I mean, look how good AI is with faking people's faces. Mm. Like how, you know what I mean? You could frame someone mm. like it's that good. Um, but not even that, like knowing a movie isn't shot in chronological order. It's always, oh, the start of the movie is actually in Egypt, but we haven't booked that until August, but yeah. we're filming the end here uh, in Brisbane or whatever. So it's never in that order. And like like Hugh Jackman, he tells a story on his first Wolverine movie and he was like, yeah, I just started like training eight weeks out thinking I'd get in shape. Huge mistake. So they save the opening topless scene to the very end of the shoot. <laughs> so he had to wow. stay that shredded or get shredded again. Well, he, he didn't get shredded. Like, as in, he, he just started training eight weeks out thinking he'd get into shape. Yeah. And the director was like, what what have you, do? like, you're not training. So they shot the whole movie, but at the start of the movie, there's a scene where he becomes Wolverine and he takes his shirt off. Uh. So they just filmed that at the end of the shoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so he had so much more time. Uh, to get shredded. To mm. get in shape. But for the whole movie, they were hiding it with, like, you know, baggy, you know, what do you call it? Yeah, like clothes and yeah. whatever suits. So like, there, there's a lot of like tricks and that that that's done, and especially like how a person's lit, how a person is um um framed in a shot can really change their size. So like, for example, superheroes movies like we're talking Thor, the most recent Thor movie with Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman, I was just right? Thinking about She's that. huge. She's only like five four. Is that real? She's very. Is yeah. she actually that big? In the movie? Do you know? Um, well, no. Like, yeah. uh, yes and no, as in what you're seeing is what you're seeing, but how they've shot it, it's the right angle to okay. make her look big. And yeah. the whole set was built for her to stand on a platform. Uh. So whenever they do like a scene where they come together and she's walking up a ramp. Okay. You know, or if there's a scene where she's side by side with Thor, like, and they're the same height and she's clearly not six foot. She, mm. If you look at the behind the scenes, she's on like a, a platform that they built for her and they have to walk that scene wow, like it's like th- how they made gandalf look massive next to the hobbits or the hobbits look small next to everyone else how did they do that just put him on the block it's just perspective oh. a lot of the time it's just like you know the the table will be a really funny shape so that when gandalf's sitting here and like they'll sit them way further back but on screen it looks like they're facing each other ah oh, mm. that's cool i only know this because i went to warner brothers studios in the states and they had like the setup to do it and you'd like film yourself in it. That's it was cool. amazing. Yeah. It's like, it's fun. You know how you said about the AI, you could frame someone? Yeah. Just recently, there's a TikTok star uh, and all her nudes got leaked. Nice. They weren't even her. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's how good the AI was, though. Like, yeah. that's fucking scary. It's, yeah. It's terrifying. Mm. It's like that deep fake stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's so fucked up. Anyway, this is going very different. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> now, are we going to play our little game right. where we... Yeah, squat variation. Yeah, we're up to bench, aren't we? Oh, are we? No, we've done bench. No, didn't we do squat? Squat was yeah, the first one. Was we did right. squat and we did deadlift. All right, bench, press. Are we going this way? Mm-hmm. Tempo bench. Incline. Bench with chains. Bench with bands. Nice. Paused bench. Um, Decline bench. Pin press. Touch and go bench. Last and press. Pause bench. I already said. Oh, you did. Um, dumbbell press. Is that? Is, yeah. Or is that not a dumbbell bench? Dumbbell bench. Yeah. Yeah. That no, doesn't count. Uh, duffel bar. Reverse grip bench press. Ooh. Shout out. Has Marco anyone Hurt. said spotto press yet? Nope. nope. All right. Spotto press. 
close grip bench, uh, football bar, Ooh. or Swiss <laughs> bar, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm out. Damn it, same. Ooh, CJ versus Tom, bro. Yeah, I think I'm out too. Uh, oh. oh, winner. Floor press. <laughs> Uh, what? what? <laughs> floor press. Floor but that press. doesn't use a bench. What's <laughs> what's yeah, it's a, a bench press? variation. You're using the floor as a bench. <laughs> All right, okay. Wait, wait, what's floor press? Like You're a literally button? on the floor. Bo- board press. Oh, oh. A, uh. a floor press is the alternative name as a push up. <laughs> board, <laughs> board press, slingshot. Yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, fuck. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.